just I just I just speak my peace keep my peace What's good, y'all? Welcome to the Speak My Peace podcast. As always, I'm your gracious host, Greg Lacey. <laughs> like we always do about this time, I hope this episode reaches well in good health, good wealth, and to taking care of yourself and your loved ones. Help you know how important that is today. Um, this episode kind of pays me, man. But we start out this podcast. And we still continue this podcast on the basis of accountability, holding people for accountability, accountable for their actions, um, especially in this world where we deal with a lot of racism or prejudices. So really holding our those people with those oppressive mind states accountable, um, but also holding ourselves accountable. And, and the things that we contribute to and the things that we do as a, as a black people at the end of the day, I pride myself on, you know, big it up black pride black unity, um, build it up the black community because that is what's most important to me. Like I love my people and I love the love that I get from my people. I love the, the, the sense of, of comfort and safeness I get from when I'm around my people. And so because of that, I believe in, you know, the uh, upholding the black community. But sometimes, man, we, we fall short. We fall short within our own right. And in doing so, when we fall short, the majority of the time, it's, it's bringing each other down. And I hate to see that. I hate to see us engaging in that type of activity. I hate to see us engaging those things on, on and with their media. And I just hate to see it because it it really just puts a bad taste in my mouth. Pause, because it's, it's so counterproductive to what we're trying to accomplish. This story that I'm um, detailing and speaking about today take you back to episode um, one eleven. I was just detailing the importance of the numbers and what they mean to me. Speaking about just the number one and you know twenty one been my favorite number. I posted all social media after the episode released because I forgot while I was recording. But my first introduction to the number 21 was Deion Sanders at five years old. You know, me growing up at the time, being a Cowboys fan, um, sharing that love for the Cowboys with my father. Two of the first athletes that I've known was Deion Sanders and Amy Smith. And those were instantly my favorite. Deion was just so flashy and Man was so head above shoulders, better than everybody else at his position. It's kind of hard to not be a Deion Sanders fan, whether he's playing for the Falcons, the Niners, the Cowboys, shoot, even the Ravens. It's it's hard to not be a Deion Sanders fan because of just the personality and that he exudes and the greatness he exudes uh, in, in his in his own realm. So my first introduction to the number twenty one was probably Deion Sanders and still to this day that's my favorite number 21. How that ties into the story I was speaking about um this past winter Deion Sanders accepted the job to coach the Colorado uh University football team and I guess you could say as expected it came with a lot of criticism it came with a lot of critiques because I guess the fashion in which he acquired that job not really how he acquired that job but the job he left to acquire that job. Um, for those of you who don't know, he been living under the rock 
for the past three years, Deion Satter has been a head coach of HBCU in Mississippi, um, Jackson State University. He took this job under the premise of he wanted to just change the narrative around HBCUs. He wanted to bring a lot of attention to HBCUs. He really just wanted to build up HBCUs. He wanted to show HBCUs in a light that they had never been shown before, especially in that time um, dealing with the, you know, the uprising in the country um, due to the, you know, the, the deaths of, of George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, Ahmaud Arbery, and so many more um, before them and after that. But during this time, you know, especially in the beginning of the pandemic, people were really paying attention to the black community because of the protests that we um, took across the country. Never across the country, internationally as well. A lot of people had a lot of protests internationally uh, too. But the focus was really, the lens was really on black people in a way it had never been before because we were demanding justice, we were demanding answers, we were demanding changes in policies and laws and different things like that. And so a lot of people really will, we, we, the black people were shed in the light they had never been shed before. And so in the midst of all this uprising and upheaval, a lot of people were, and I've spoken about this because a lot of companies did it, you know, aligning with, you know, pro-black messages and, and pro-diversity messages um, because it was the thing to do at that time. And there were some people who were just speaking and some people who was actually walking a walk. And Deion Sanders, one of my favorite athletes ever, walked that walk. He took the job at Jackson State University at a historically black college. Historically black colleges are, for the most part, and I don't want to, I'm not going to use this podcast to speak bad about historically black, black colleges, but a lot of people don't know about historically black colleges, and there's a reason. And vice versa, too. Historically black colleges are not known by a lot of people, and there's a reason. Um, a lot of that is because of funding. Um, you don't hear too much about, you know, athletes who, and there are a lot of athletes who have gone to historically black colleges and go on to have, you know, great professional careers, whether that's in basketball, football, soccer, track, wherever the case it may be. And a lot of them go on to be doctors and Fortune 500 uh, business owners and, and so on and so forth as well. But we're speaking about sports right now. You don't hear too much about historically black colleges. A lot of people don't know too much about historically black colleges. I know growing up, I knew about FAMU. I knew about Grambling, but I'm a Cali boy. Like, I don't know if there's a historically black college in, in Cali, but I, I knew about those big schools just because of sports. I didn't know too much of the history of any other schools. I didn't know there was a historically black college in Delaware really until um, really about four or five years ago. I didn't know that there was a, I think, she, I think actually there is historically black college in Northern California. I think I just found that out recently, but Really, I didn't know too much about historically black colleges, and a lot of people don't. So in the uprising during all these protests, Deion Sanders took a head coaching job at Jackson State University, really just to change it around, but also put a special lens on these athletes at these D1 universities, but on a smaller scale because they don't have the money that the Dukes, the UCLA's, the North Carolina's, um, the Notre Dame's have. And so he took this job knowing that it was going to be an uphill battle and knowing what he was fighting against um, in terms of the the athletes that were that were committing to the school, the athletes who were hesitating to commit to the school, the big-time athletes who didn't want to come to the school and different things like that. He took this, despite despite knowing that, he still took this job because he wanted to challenge. He had this, he had set out on this mission um, to really change the narratives around historically black colleges. And I can say he did. 
I think a lot of people know about historically black colleges today because of Deion Sanders. Jackson State football, they're covered in the media often because of their success in the recent years. Other schools like FAMU, um, other schools like North Carolina A&T, other schools like North Carolina Central, um, you know, they ha have uh, a documentary on ESPN. You're seeing these HBU, HBCUs in the light they had never been shown or seen in the past 100 years before. And I think that that starts with Deion Sanders. He sheds the light on, OK, I'm going to go to the historical black college. A lot of people don't know about historically black colleges and universities, but now they're doing their research. So now that, you know, I have this camera lens on me, I'm going to share my light on wherever I can. And so now you have, you know, a, a documentary or a, a film crew following him at his school. You have a, a documentary and film crew following FAMU. We have a documentary and film crew following North Carolina State, um, sorry, North Carolina Central, and so many different things like that. Like you're putting, um, really bringing this attention to these schools like you've never seen before. Getting back into, you know, the his importance and also just his um his accomplishments there. I should I should I, I shouldn't go too further without saying that. Doris three years at um Jackson State football as the head coach of Jackson State football, Deion Sanders had a record of twenty seven and five. He won undefeated this past season. I think last season he may have lost one game. And so that first season, you know, it was it was a turnaround. But still even him going to that See that that team in the first season and win as many games as they won, it's unheard of. No matter what school it is, it's hard to have a new regime and a coaching change and be successful right away because there's new schemes, there's new personnel, um, and there's new relationships that has to be built. So that trust and that bond has to be formed. And it's not easy, especially for a football team. It may be easy for a basketball team because there's less personnel to deal with, but a football team is not easy to deal with. And he did that in this short amount of time. And despite all that, a lot of people forgot and they critique this man once he accepted the job. It made me feel some type of way. Again, this is one of my favorite athletes ever, no matter what the sport is. This is a reason why I'm probably in love with the number 21, because this was my introduction to the number 21. Um, this is a black man. You know, he set out to do what he can to uplift our people, do what he can to provide opportunities to our people, do what he can to shed our people, shed, you know, their children in a light that they had never been shown before. And despite all that, this man was faced with a lot of criticism. A lot of people called him a sellout. A lot of people call him a traitor. One analysis, another black man, which is unfortunate, um, Bolani Jones used to be of ESPN. Bolani Jones, for me, um, was one of the bright spots of ESPN. Like, I know there's been a lot of turnover and a lot of columnists on ESPN who are black who had, are not on ESPN anymore just because they don't feel like ESPN was moving in the right direction in terms of uplifting and amplifying those black voices outside of Stephen A. Smith. And so they're no longer there. But when it wasn't, say, 2016, 2017, to where it was a bunch of black employees, whether that's uh, Michael and Jamel, whether that's Kari Champion, whether that's a Bumani Jones, Bumani Jones is right there with them during that time where there was a lot of black voices being shown on ESPN. And here this man was ironically on CNN saying that essentially Deion Sanders was a sellout. He said that he sold the people of Jackson State a dream and walked out on that dream. The reason why I say it's ironic is because I'm speaking of Bomani in that, in that light of why I said that he was a breath of fresh air on ESPN as a black man. 
And here he is on a publication like CNN tearing down another black man. It's just, it doesn't make sense to me. It be your own people driving that knife through your back. The same person to pull that knife out your back, but the same person who put that knife in your back. I think that Michael, Michael Max, and I'm paraphrasing, had, had a quote is that you pull a, you pull a knife, a uh, six inch knife, three inches on my back. It's not progress. Progress is, is treating a wrong in which the knife will pull out of. And this is essentially what Bomani Jones is doing is on a white publication, a publication who's known for its racist behavior known for his predatory behavior against our people and he's contributing to this narrative against another black man another black man that in this time as a head coach of jackson state university donated half his salary to upgrade the facilities so that i mean it's not going to look like you know those dukes and those north carolinas and those Notre days and the uclas and usc's it's not going to look like it because there's not enough money and the campus is not big enough but it's going to get close enough. He donated half of his salary. Granted, the salary he was making wasn't enough anyways. No, I'm not going to say enough because I'm pocket watching by saying that. The salary he was making in comparison to other coaches of the fame that he's have was minuscule from the jump. But despite that, he donated half of his salary to upgrade those facilities so that those young men can walk in those locker rooms and see uh, upgraded locker room can see upgraded lockers can see a lounge area in the in the in the facilities see you know a, a new gym see painted walls see deck like see all these things decked out that most HB, hbcus don't receive the funding to do at this hbcu this is the man who had college game day come down to jackson state for those of you who don't know what college game day is during college football season, college uh, there is this show that happens every Saturday. I believe is from um, it's like from six to nine, which is like early in the morning until the first college football game of the day. But it airs on ABC, it airs on ESPN, to where there's a bunch of talking heads and they're giving their matchups and giving their analysis on the biggest games of that weekend. And so what they do is every week they go to some of the biggest colleges and they host this show. They brought this down to Jackson State because of Deion Sanders. Michael Strahan came down to Jackson State, outfitted these young men in suits for their game day so that they're not, you know, most college athletes, they're, especially at HBCU, they're showing up to the games in, in sweatsuits um, and things like that because they don't have the funding to pay for for uh, tuxedos and suits and things like that. But if you go to a, a UCLA, you go to USA, uh, USA, USC, go down to a Florida State, go down to a Miami, they had the funding to do that, to outfit these men in suits. Deion Sanders brought Michael Strahan down to Jackson State and Michael Strahan outfitted these young men in suits. As of April 2021, he generated $185 million in advertising value for the exposure of Jackson State. He brought his firstborn son, Deion Sanders Jr., with him to Jackson State. Revamped the social media, the social media platform for Jackson State to so that it, it, it rivals those of these D one, these other D one colleges. The NIL deals 
you know, a lot of uh, uh, student athletes are receiving name, image, and likeness deals due to their notoriety, due to their following and things like that. There's a couple kids on his team that has NIL deals. Most HBCUs kids aren't getting that because they don't have the exposure, because they don't have the following, because they are in an HBCU. But these kids on this team, they had that exposure. And so they're able to make that money. They're able to help take care of their family before they get to the league. Or even that they don't get to the league before they get, you know, their their before they get to their career field that they're going after they graduate. He provided that for these these young men and their families. He had a documentary, as I just said, on Amazon Prime. So now these young kids, you not only are they getting their image or likeness deals, they're on TV. Their family can watch them. They can watch their season on TV. Some of the family can't even see them because some of the family is in there. They can see themselves on Amazon Prime. This man did so much for not just that school, but HBCUs. He brought his two sons with him. One son, one of the best quarterbacks in his class, he had the opportunity to go to any D1 school he wanted to go to. I believe he had a, a, a offer from Ole Miss, had a four, had an offer from um, FAU, and he decided to go play with his dad. He had another son at another D1, South Carolina, left South Carolina to come play for his dad at Jackson State, bringing more exposure to this school. Despite the uphill battle that it was going to be for them, knowing that, you know, the end goal for them is to get to the NFL, knowing that it's hard to get to NFL from a HBCU because a lot of NFL play, a lot of NFL scouts ain't coming to HBCU games, ain't checking for HBCU schools. Despite knowing that, knowing that the route to the NFL is easier at these other schools, they can't play for their dad. They came to suit up for their dad so that they can help with what he had a vision for not only the school, but for all HBCUs. And they did that. They brought a lot of exposure to HBCUs. As I said, in 2023, there are a lot of people who know what the HBCUs are because of Deion Sanders. And we will be remiss if, if we didn't admit that. I'm not saying Deion Sanders is the reason why HBCUs is relevant because that's not true. I'm saying the exposure that HBCUs have today in terms of sports, in terms of exposure, a lot of that can be trickled back into Deion Sanders. And we can take away outside of all of this exposure stuff. Why is it that within our community, we see people elevating as a threat to us as a whole? Like, why is he a sellout because he received a, a job offer or took a job offer from a university that's bigger than the university he was working at? Why can't he be congratulated? Why can't he be held as a hero that he was when he came to this school that not many of us knowing about? And my whole position in this is not to shit on HBCUs because I love everything that HBCUs are about. But my whole position in this is why can't we celebrate our people more? Why is it that we gravitate towards negativity more than anything? Why was our first response to say, oh, he's a sellout because he's leaving Jackson, Mississippi to go to Boulder, Colorado, where majority of the, the, the ethnic background of that campus look the complete opposite of the school that he's leaving from. Why is he leaving us? He's a traitor. He's a sellout. He didn't care about us. He was planning on doing this from the jump. It's unfortunate, man. We're going to be the demise of our own people. I say this a lot in this podcast that we already have people within this world who are against us, who are doing whatever they can to keep us down, to keep us pigeonholed. And we're contributing to that. We're contributing to that with these ideas and these mindsets of also pulling us down. 
Like it's already somebody else pulling us down. So we're going to help them pull us down because we feel like that's better for us because we feel like somebody else elevating is a threat to us when it's not. We should see the elevation of a, of a black man as a, as a, of a black woman, as a, of a black family as an attribu- attribution to what we're trying to accomplish as a whole. Because again, this whole thing for us is progression. We want progress in this country. We don't want to be seen as the, the, the bottom of the totem pole no more. We've been seen for 400 plus years. We want the same thing that everybody else has. We want to have those opportunities where we can walk into a Fortune 500 company and we see the owner of it is, 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 is a, as a black man or a black woman and somebody think, oh, he just got this job because of nepotism. Yes, we want that. We want nepotism. We want those opportunities. We want four to 500 companies be passed down from our fathers and our mothers and our grandparents and things like that as other people are receiving. We want those same things. Not saying we want the same thing that the people who built this country want, but we want to be afforded those opportunities to put it, to be put in positions to uplift our people because that's what the goal is. So why this man who did all these things for not only the school that he coached for, but also other schools, why is he being pitted as a sellout? When at the end of the day, he has children. He has a goal. He wants to get them to the level that he got to. He wants to see them reach their full potential. Not saying that that couldn't have been accomplished at Jackson State, but they did what they needed to do at Jackson State. Shador Sanders, his youngest son, one of the best college football quarterbacks in whatever level of of, of football you can think of. I'm not going to say he is the best. I'm not going to say he's top three, top five. But he is one of the best. I've watched a lot of Jackson State games for the past three years. And so those past two years where he was a quarterback, he made some passes that some of these kids at some of these bigger schools were making. He was better than some of these kids at some of these bigger schools. But he was down at Jackson State doing this on a a platform to where it wasn't as big as everybody. There wasn't as many gang crews coming down to film their games. He was doing it in the cut. So now his father left to a bigger opportunity to where there's going to be more cameras on him. And he followed him and people are criticizing his father for taking that job, not realizing that he's a father. He has to provide for his family, but he also has to do what he do to take care of his kids to get them to where he has to get them. And this was one of those steps he had to take. Moving forward, man, let's move forward with love. Um, I know it's cliche, but we need it. At the end of the day, don't nobody care about us like we care about us. Can nobody take care of us like we take care of us? And that's just the bottom line. And we can't progress if we have people that's tugging at our coats. And then we have our own people helping them tug at our coats to, to, to keep us down. It's impossible. We, we run in a race we can't win. We should be uplifting our people. And in this instance, we should be saying, damn, Deion Sanders got that job at Colorado. I hope he turns not only turn that program around, but turns that culture around. He got that job and what he do? He went to pluck some black man from other universities to be on his coaching staff. This is what he does. This is what he's done already for the past three years. So why are we criticizing him when he can do it on a bigger scale now? It's weird, man. And, and I don't like it. As we get out of here, my what to watch for this week, we're going to go with Snowfall. Once again, as we get out of here, my what to watch for this week, we're gonna go with snowfall. Whether it's catch up on new seasons, watching new—I mean, catch up on old seasons, watching new seasons, whatever the case it may be. This is the last season, and I'd be remiss if I didn't shout that out because I have been doing that since day one. 
That's the Speak My Peace podcast for this week. I'm out.